0: Hey, good afternoon to you, how are you doing? Welcome to Wednesday's Richie Allen Show, live from Salford, Paul Craig Roberts, the former US Assistant Treasury Secretary, joins me today as does the presenter of not of the bcfm politics show tony gosling lots to talk about with the gentlemen you can reach me during the program by leaving a message at live comment on richie uncensored unfiltered you're
1: listening to richie allen on the world's most popular independent news radio and show and we
0: back streaming on TuneIn.com. thank you rob Thank you Rob and Michelle
1: It's the Richie Allen Show Broadcasting live on RichieAllen.co.uk And multiple platforms around the world
2: And now Here's your host Richie Allen
0: Yes, if you left a negative review For TuneIn.com I mentioned this yesterday I'll mention it again now And I won't ask you again If you did that, please delete it or amend it to a positive review. We're back streaming on TuneIn after a misunderstanding to do with music licensing. Not a misunderstanding on their behalf now, it must be said, on my behalf, but some of you got the wrong end of the stick and gave them a bit of, well, stick. So please do that. Back streaming on TuneIn.com. It is an excellent app. I recommend it. So I do. Hey, um, before we get into the news, a mate of mine, this is true now. I know you won't believe me because I'm a bit of a blackguard. There's another great Irish colloquialism. blackguard. I'm a bit of a messer. I'm a messer, boy. So you mightn't believe this, but a mate of mine has gone to a sperm bank and plans to go to a blood bank to make a few extra quid. Honestly. L- let me know... I don't think it's funny that people are struggling for money, at all. I, I find nothing amusing about that in, in the climate we're in and everything going up and of course the energy thing and all of that and getting petrol and diesel. So I don't. Let me know if you have, you know, thought of things like that. If you're thinking outside the box to make an extra few bob, I did. We did giggle though when he told me when I did. I did ask him. I wonder. I wonder when you're leaving if the receptionist at the sperm bank says, thanks for coming. I, I, I wonder. I wonder, is that an in-joke? I wonder, do receptionists at sperm banks say that as a matter of habit as you're leaving, as you've left your deposit and collected your money? Hey, listen, thanks for coming. Come again. Here. Leave it there, Baldy. Leave it there. Okay. Ricky Gervais has been getting a bit of stick today because his new Netflix special is available now to watch on Netflix. If you happen to subscribe to that platform, I do, because I like I like Petra Call Soul, and the future Mrs likes a few of the period dramas, and she likes some of the more more um I don't know female led dramas. Does Caroline? So we do subscribe. We don't share our passwords, though, with lots of people. Now, you might ask why. Well, there are a number of reasons. I don't know what my password is. Haven't a clue. If I did, would I share it with people? Probably not. You can't bitch about people stealing your intellectual property on the one hand and then go sharing your password with people. I'm a meanie. (laughs) Hey, listen, have you seen Top Gun Maverick yet, have you? I haven't. I don't know if I'll get to see it this week. We'll have to play it by ear. Ricky Gervais is getting a bit of stick. He's got a new Netflix special. I watched about 25 minutes of it last night and I I laughed a few times. Ricky Gervais is funny. It's called Supernature. And at the beginning of the stand-up, at the beginning of the show, he makes a few comments about trans people. And that has drawn the ire of some trans rights or LGBT rights groups, they're not happy. There's one in the United States of America called GLAAD. That's G-L-A-A-D. It must be an acronym. I don't know what it stands for, but it is called Ricky's program Dangerous. (laughs) It's dangerous. It's anti-gay and anti-trans. Now, I saw the segment that discussed where he discussed trans, and it isn't dangerous, and I don't think for a minute you could call it anti-anything. It's just very funny. I've got a little snippet of it for you here. I've got nobody's permission, but it's only a few seconds, and I do subscribe to Netflix. Uh, Strong warning, if you are listening in the presence of children, I'm going to give you 10 seconds now to turn me down And you'll have to catch it on the podcast later on. This isn't suitable for children's ears. This is Ricky Gervais talking about trans people. And it has got some LGBT rights groups up in arms. God damn it. Here he is, Ricky, from Supernature on Netflix now. Oh, women. Uh,
3: Not all women. I I mean the old-fashioned ones. You know The old-fashioned women. Oh, God. You know, the ones with wombs. Oh. (laughs) Those fucking dinosaurs, <laughs> No, I love the, the new women, I know the new women, they're great, aren't they? You know the new ones we've been seeing lately? The, one, the ones with beards and cocks, they're as good as... <laughs> they're as good as gold, I love them. <laughs> no, it's the old-fashioned, and now the old-fashioned, they're like, oh, they want to use our toilets! Why shouldn't they use your toilets? For ladies! They are ladies, look at their pronouns! <laughs> What about this person that isn't a lady? Well, his penis. <laughs> Her penis, you fucking bigot! <laughs> what if he rapes me? What if she rapes you? You fucking turf whore!
0: Ricky Gervais there from Supernature, which is streaming now on Netflix. I've done enough advertising there to justify stealing the clip without getting anybody's permission. At Netflix, anyway. Yeah. God be with the days of working in commercial radio where you had to get permission for everything. I generally do ask for permission not. Anyway, uh, to the party gate bollocks, you'll know that the Sue Gray Report was published in its entirety and was given to Number 10 Downing Street this morning. That sparked chaotic scenes at today's Prime Minister's questions. I have the audio but I'm not going to subject you to it. Yeah. Anyway, why are you talking about it, Richie? You know it isn't that important. It isn't. But... At a later press conference this afternoon, Tom Harwood from GB News kind of broached the subject of whether or not the rules were needed in the first place. You see, talked about this in yesterday's monologue. I ranted on about the people complaining about not being able to see Granny and it's terrible that we couldn't see Granny and while we couldn't see Granny, he was partying away. That pisses me off because most can't make the logical leap to maybe the rules were completely unnecessary, maybe COVID was never really that serious and maybe they knew that all along. So Tom Harwood of GB News kind of broaches this subject, kind of. Don't get excited. With Johnson at that press conference today. Tom Harwood, GB News. Uh, Thank you, Prime Minister. The fines that were issued across
3: Downing Street and the whole of Whitehall uh, were for events that took place over varying levels of restriction. It took months of investigation to determine whether a number of edge cases broke the rules that you set or not. Indeed, you said earlier in Parliament that it can be very difficult to decide the boundary between what qualifies as work and what qualifies as socialising. So in hindsight, were the rules that you set simply too unclear, too illogical, and too tight for too long? And, and just if I may, on another issue that really does affect people up and down the country, real wages are projected to be lower in 2026 than they were in 2008. What are you going to do about it?
1: So, so first of all, uh, Tom, the on the on the rules. I, look, I, I. He was asked by Harwood, were they too illogical? Look, I. I... We had to implement, and I, this is a controversial thing. And there are many people uh, who who think that you could have done without uh, restrictions. You could have done with, you could have just relied on people's personal responsibility.
0: No, 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 that's a lie. There are many people who felt or feel we could have done without restrictions. We could have relied on people's responsibility. No, no, no. Forget people. There are many scientists who reckon not that we could trust people to keep themselves safe, but that the rules were ludicrous, arbitrary and dangerous by themselves. The,
1: the difficulty was that we were facing a, a pandemic of a kind that we'd never seen before, uh, or certainly not in my lifetime. Uh, its effects were, were unknowable and all the medical and scientific advice was that you had to proceed by non-pharmaceutical interventions. You... That's a
0: massive lie and you would have expected Harwood or somebody else to jump in there there was no consensus among scientists that you had to implement non-pharmaceutical interventions, none whatsoever. Some of the most famous academic institutions in the world, um, as some of the most famous academics, I should say, working in some of the f- most famous universities in the world were adamant from day one that lockdowns were ridiculous, dangerous and would compromise the health of people for years and years and years afterwards that's a massive lie to suggest that all of the scientists said we've got to do something
1: you had to get people uh, to behave according to certain uh, rules so i don't think the floor was with the with the rules tom uh, i i've got you know it, it, we should have we should have recognised that the boundary between work events and uh, and socialising for people who are continuously working together
4: yeah, yeah, in yeah, the yeah,
1: same yeah. place uh, was going to be hard to draw and we should have we sh- we, we you know Things should have been done differently, and they, and they certainly are being done differently.
0: They're certainly being done differently. No, none of the other journalists present broached the subject of were, were you and your mates partying down at uh, number 10 regularly because you had no fear of COVID whatsoever? Nobody else broached that subject. The questions being shouted at Johnston, Johnston, Jesus Johnson, today were along the lines of why don't you resign and and all the rest of it. Yeah, this is interesting, you know, reluctant to do much of this, but it's happening everywhere, so it's worth making mention of it. You may have been to London's Globe Theatre in the past to watch a Shakespearean tragedy or a Shakespearean comedy, maybe maybe you weren't. Um but the globe is putting trigger warnings on things like Julius Caesar for example. I studied Julius Caesar for my intercert. I think that's the Irish equivalent of the GCSEs. You take your intercert when you're 14 or 15 and then you go on to do your leaving certificate which would be like the A levels. I studied Julius Caesar. I had a really really good English teacher. Wonderful teacher and I enjoyed it. As a result, I enjoyed reading Julius Caesar. I enjoyed going to see the play in Dublin. Great old play altogether, so it was now. Julius Caesar. So they're putting warnings. Now, you'll know that Caesar in the play stabbed to death in the Senate. It's a classic scene. But the Globe is alerting audiences who are going in to watch it that the show will contain stage blood and weapons, including knives. Why? Why? Are they doing this? Is this just silliness or is there something else going on? Ian Collins of Talk Radio posed the question to the comedian and actor Jeff Norcott. What is going on, Jeff?
3: I don't know. I think that there is a culture in meetings at the moment. If someone suggests something that seems kind, hashtag be kind on the face of it, everyone else is scared to shoot it down. So someone will say something, go like, yeah, I just just think there's a lot of violence. Maybe we should give people a heads up. And all the kind of probably dinosaurs there that are worried about early retirement will go, oh, yeah, very good idea, Gavin. Let's absolutely put warnings of things that are obviously going to happen that probably one in 10,000 people would be perturbed by. So I think there's probably at the moment a corporate culture of people making uh, accommodations for things that most people would find bizarre. But once you get in that world of, you know, where where there's an HR department, where there's company lawyers, I think people probably do anything for a quiet life. Yeah, and we've seen it with books as well, haven't we? Uh, University libraries that are now putting trigger warnings on things like harry potter yeah also my, one of my favorite ones is uh on disney plus at the moment the original star wars has a trigger warning that says contains tobacco depictions are <laughs> you like seriously they also yeah genuinely and and they also blow up a planet a whole planet yeah. it's the same it's the exact it's the exact same warning on uh, 101 dalmatians because obviously Cruella de Vil smokes a lot so there's a warning about the smoking, but wow. not about the fact that she wants to
0: murder dogs. Yeah,
3: nothing about the dog culling, nothing about yeah. Armageddon. But, you know,
1: somebody <laughs> might have a sneaky sig.
0: Yes, that's right. The Globe Theatre. Warning patrons, audiences, you know, that there there might be blood and, and violence on stage. I mean, what do they expect that some people are going to say? All right, in that case, then I'll have a refund if that's OK. I won't go in. I think it's safe to say somebody buying a ticket to see Julius Caesar understands what happens in Julius Caesar. It's just me. I wonder if I'm wrong, though. I wonder if it is the case that some people attending plays like Hamlet, as you like it, I don't know, um, King Lear, if they actually haven't a clue, I wonder. That'd be interesting, wouldn't it? What would they make of it? The language, could you understand the language? I think I understand the language only because of my grounding in it at school and third level. Otherwise I'd be lost, I think. Yes. Hey, listen, the World Economic Forum has been in session in Davos this week. I know you know that. Have you ever heard of a guy called J. Michael Evans? No? Well, he's Canadian. He's a former Olympic gold medalist. Wow, for rowing. 84 Olympics in Los Angeles, I believe. J. Michael Evans. Well, we should know who he is. He's the president of Alibaba, which is a Chinese tech company which specialises in e-commerce, retail, internet and technology. And it's also one of the world's largest retailers and e... wait for it, wait for it. It's also one of the biggest venture capital firms and one of the biggest firms in the world dealing with artificial intelligence. It's the fifth largest artificial intelligence company. J. Michael Evans, is in attendance at Davos this week. Why is that of any relevance to you and to me? Listen to what he says here about your carbon footprint and mine.
4: We're developing through technology an ability for consumers to measure their own carbon footprint. What does that mean? That's where are they traveling? How are they traveling? What are they eating? What are they consuming on the platform? So. Individual carbon footprint tracker. Mm. Stay tuned. We don't have it operational yet, but this is something that we're working on.
0: Yeah, and people are laughing in the audience. An individual carbon footprint tracker. Just listen to this 20 seconds again because it's
4: important. We're developing.
0: And, and I'm. I, I'm not. I'm not best known for anything really, let alone being best known for making accurate predictions. But for some years now, anyone who listens to this program regularly will remember me talking about us in the future having a carbon allowance, an output allowance. Each human being will be measured. Every activity they do will be measured and you will have an allowance, whether it's weekly or monthly. And I've been saying this for a long time and I don't remember anybody else saying it when I was saying it some years ago. And what this guy is saying is, well, we're developing technology to measure that. He doesn't go on to say, you know, would that be tied in with rewards or, you know, or, or punitive measures taken taking against people? Listen.
4: We're developing through technology an ability for consumers to measure their own carbon footprint. What does that mean? That's where are they traveling? How are they traveling? What are they eating? What are they consuming on the platform? So individual carbon footprint tracker. Mm. stay tuned, we don't have it operational yet but this is something that we're working on
0: Yeah, I'm sure they're working on it I ask the question all the time it's a question that might eventually get me into trouble, but I'm not a lawyer like I mean it when I say violence is not a means to resolving anything violence should only ever be used in self-defence I abhor it and I don't encourage violence against anybody and there isn't a but here. So in the absence of violence, what do we do about people like J. Michael Evans? What do we do about him? This guy's a monster. This guy thinks it's okay to develop technology to track and measure people's carbon or CO2 output. Which inevitably means that he... What inevitably follows on from that is taking action against people who exceed certain limits of CO2 output. What are we going to do with people like J. Michael Evans? How do we stop these people? You know, the, that was that was journalists, by the way, in the audience laughing when he talked about, we don't have it ready yet, but it's in production. The journalistic instinct should be, you know, to put your hand up and ask him, excuse me, but are you absolutely fucking mad? Like, But they laugh. So what do we do with them? I haven't mentioned yet the, the the story. Look, I'm conflicted here. Sky News and the BBC should not be covering the story of a mass shooting at a school west of San Antonio in Texas in the United States. It, it is irrelevant to British audiences. It's a terrible thing, unimaginably Horrific for the people caught up in it. But it isn't of any interest to British audiences I've discussed on the programme in the past why I believe these things are covered extensively as they are. I'll ask Paul Craig Roberts in a moment for his thoughts on it. But in case you've been doing something else and you haven't been paying attention to uh, the media over the last uh, 12 to 18 hours, 19 children and two teachers, two teachers even, Uh, were killed at a school in Texas in a place called uh, The Rob R-O-W-B Elementary School in Uvalde or Uvalde which is about 80 miles west of San Antonio. Some of the children were aged 10 and 8. A couple of teachers were killed as well. It's been blamed on a guy called Salvador Ramos. He apparently was shot dead by police. He barricaded himself into a classroom and began firing a semi-automatic weapon. Unsurprisingly, the US President Joe Biden and others have called for the US to tighten restrictions on gun ownership. I'll ask Paul Craig Roberts for his thoughts on that and more monkeypox, of course, and more in a few moments' time. This is your Richie Allen Show. It's yours. It's live from Salford here in the northwest of the UK. I'm Richie Allen. The Steve Miller Band and The Joker on The Richie Allen Show, 5.26. 5.26. Wiley says the BBC reported because it's part of a global fear conditioning, says Wiley, and also criminalising gun ownership. Same with Dunblane and probably Michael Ryan in the UK, says Wiley. Thanks, Wiley. Alan asks, did the shooter release a manifesto? Allegedly, has his behaviour been blamed on being radicalised in line with conspiracy theories? Thanks, Alan. I don't know too much more than what I've shared and I've only gotten that really from the BBC, Sky and probably The Telegraph. Pod says, the BBC admits to HIV protein and COVID vaccine. Thanks for the link. I appreciate that. Anto says, Richie, if those teachers were armed, they and the children might be alive today. Do you want to live in a world like that, Anto? Really? That's the question, isn't it? I know the inevitable answer that you'll throw back at me. Well, the children are dead. I get that. But do we want children going into school, having to pass through metal detectors? Do we want to be arming teachers? I just have no time for guns. At all. I've never held one. I've never fired one. That's just me. Joan says, Richie, Michael Evans or J. Michael Evans and the rest of them can do one. What can we do? Not much, I guess, but I just ignore a lot of them and carry on with life. More people are waking up to it, says Joan. Hopefully there will be no other way out of this madness. Uh, she says, if more people don't wake up, we won't get out of it. That has to happen because that's the only way, says Joan. Give it a couple of months, says Brown Eye. And we'll find out that the shooting was a false flag. You know, whenever something like this happens, Brown Eye, and I don't mean you, people come out of the woodwork to say it was a false flag, it never happened, and crisis actors were on scene, but they never have any proof of it. People do terrible things. If you've got 300 million people living in a country, and they have pretty easy access to guns, um, they can do terrible things. Terrible things do happen, and uh, and that's the that's the way of it. Just before we welcome Paul back to the program, an interesting comment from Isabel, which I just happened to notice. She says that Alibaba Tech Company, which uh, J Michael Evans, e- Evans is the president of, which J Michael Evans is the president. It's a Chinese company. Um, it presents its technology, says Isabel, as a service to people. When in fact it is nothing less than a data collection technology company. Red lights are flashing in front of my eyes. Let's welcome back to the program the excellent writer, author, journalist. Check out paulcraigroberts.org and former U.S. Assistant Treasury Secretary. It's always a pleasure to welcome him back, Paul. Welcome back. How are you?
2: Thank you very much, Richie. You're a gent. With you again.
0: You're a gent for sharing your time with me. I know your time is um, valuable and you get a lot of requests. So I love having you on, Paul. I don't uh, blow smoke I really do mean that. What um what do you make of um the story coming out of east uh, Texas or is it west Texas overnight of um a shooting involving uh, uh 19 children and two teachers. It's getting pretty heavy coverage here in the UK. I think you and I have talked about guns before Paul. I'm kind of agnostic. I've I've never lived in a society where guns were common. I don't really have much interest in guns. I respect your constitution and and the right for people to bear arms. And I understand why people would jealously guard, you know, the right to own um, guns. But um, at the same time, is enough being done to make sure that the crazies don't get guns? I mean, if Paul Craig Roberts has a semi-automatic weapon, I'm happy enough if I live around the corner because I know that Paul Craig Roberts is an intelligent writer. He's a nice man. He's a family man. I'm not too concerned. But is enough being done to stop lunatics getting guns, do you think?
2: Well, uh, Richie, you know, I I grew up. Everyone had a gun. I think by the time a kid was 10 years old, he had a four ten shotgun and a twenty two rifle and nobody ever shot anybody ever. Uh, we never shot the cows in the pasture, or the mules, or or ourselves. Uh, all of this shooting is a new thing. I forget the first case. The first case was uh, in Texas at a university, and I, I think it was in the 70s or the 80s. The 70s, I think. And it's a new phenomenon, And so I don't think it has anything to do with guns because I lived a life with them and so did my friends and no one ever shot anybody. I think it has to do with what is happening to people. Uh, Something is causing people to uh, do things that we would never have thought to do. In fact, it was prohibited by your own internal self-regulation. So something has happened to reduce the quality, the character of people so that they think uh, they have a right or achieving something by shooting other people that they don't even know who've done nothing to them. So it seems to me it's a deterioration in the character of the people that produces this now where does it come from i don't know i've not studied it i don't think people do study it i think instead the there's just a sort of a uh, determination to destroy the second amendment because if you can destroy any constitutional amendment you can destroy all the rest and they're all under attack the free speech movement is under attack the 14th amendment of uh, equal treatment under the law is under attack. The Second Amendment is always under attack. So I don't I don't think the way you ask the question is even relevant. I know that's the way people think, yeah, but, yeah. but uh, it's just not a relevant question. The question is, how come uh, we could grow up In America, until I think it was sometime in the 1970s, before somebody got it in their head they could go around shooting people. Yeah. And where does that come from? Why is it and why is it getting worse? Now, I don't know. Um, I do know that there are people, I think some of them are very serious people, scholars exactly, who say that. The CIA has been for years and years uh, programming people to do things. And that this programming may be affecting these shooters.
0: Right. Which and is, that
2: which is the target is the Second Amendment. You know, uh, a lot of people have made the claim, and I don't mean just kooks, but serious people. That when Robert F. Kennedy, the brother of President John Kennedy, was assassinated in turn by Shiran Shiran, that Shiran Shiran was, was in a drug control state, and that this was a CIA operation because they knew that Robert Kennedy understood they had killed his brother, the president. And Robert Kennedy had just won the California uh, presidential primary and was clearly going to be the next president and had the CIA uh, in his sights. So yes. they got rid of him. And they and the claim is that it was uh, that the Shiran Shiran, who has no memory of the event, None, yeah. uh, was uh, programmed. So. that could be uh, an explanation. I don't know.
0: A Manchurian candidate, they call them. Just just one final point on this before we talk about other equally um, maybe more important issues. A mutual friend of ours was on the programme last week, the great Gerald Salente, and he made a very interesting point, um, which isn't exclusive now from your point at all. But he said... It's amazing to him that people can't see the irony. You have Joe Biden uh, weeping last week when a man walked into a shopping mall and shot a lot of people, shot some black people. He said Biden is weeping about it. Uh, In the same week that Biden sent, you know, millions if not billions of dollars worth of arms to Ukraine to be used there, and the United States sends arms around the world, which are used against populations innocent people and Gerald says that that's maybe got something to do with the atmosphere as well with the with this new phenomenon, which i you know i, I, I you make a lot of sense in what you said, but he says you know. It's a violent society. The governments are violent. The governments are doing violent things all the time, selling guns to people to be used to kill people. It's inevitable, I think Gerald said, or it could be argued that it's inevitable, that it has some impact on the wider population.
2: Uh, Yes, that's possible. Uh, I just posted a column uh, yesterday, I think it was, that... um, the United, there's been a study and people have counted it up and the United States has killed 20 million people in the last 20 years, uh, abroad, you know, in in uh, Afghanistan in Libya and Iraq and, in, in a variety of countries. So yes, this, that's possible. But uh, I think in a way that would not explain, uh, The origin of these shootings and how they all of a sudden mysteriously appeared late in our history. I mean, we've been a gun owning country from before the revolution. Yeah. So now look at it this way take Switzerland. People in Switzerland have guns, they have automatic weapons, not just semi automatic. They're guns all over Switzerland, and they aren't afflicted with this sort of uh, mass shootings, are they? Have you ever heard of a mass shooting in in Switzerland? No. No. They've got every bit as many guns as we do, and my understanding is they have fully automatic weapons. I can remember the days that, uh, that, and the years that when I traveled often in Switzerland, and there were gun clubs everywhere. You could hear them shooting everywhere. They were proud of their of their weapon on the ship. Nobody ever shot anybody. So when you see it blamed on guns and you hear about gun violence, you know it's a propagandistic thing. So. Clearly, the mass shootings serve the propaganda in the United States against the Second Amendment. So are they orchestrated is a valid question. I don't know the answer. I don't know how to study it. I don't think you could find out the answer. If it is orchestrated, the the CIA, FBI, whoever is responsible, if anybody, would never admit it. So you couldn't find out. But it is a very curious thing that the the Swiss, who are, have plenty of guns, don't go around sh- having mass shootings. So I don't want to discount what Gerald said, um, uh, you know, um, the fish rots from the head. And if the government's violent, it tends to make the people violent. or I think if if you're one of the American soldiers who's been in these wars where mainly women, children, and village elders are killed, you know, it's got to make you a bit crazed, doesn't it? I mean... No doubt. Yeah, you know, we have tremendous mental problems from the troops who've come back from these killing wars that we initiate everywhere. Uh, there's a huge number, a huge percentage of the soldiers have have a permanent uh damage emotional mental damage from this experience so you know how does that affect it i can't say these but
0: are good I- these are good points paul and um there's no reason why both you and gerald can't be right at the same time manchurian candidates that's a real thing you know to psychologically um not to entice, but to program somebody psychologically into doing something they wouldn't ordinarily have done I believe John Lennon's assassin was a Manchurian candidate. I can't prove that, but it's what I believe. And I believe you are right about Sirhan Sirhan. You are listening to Paul Craig Roberts, folks. Do check out paulcraigroberts.org. It is packed with um, terrifically written articles, not just by Paul, but by guests as well, discussing and analysing uh, the, the, uh, the geopolitical events, things you'll never read or hear on the mainstream media. This interested me today I'm going to play you a 25-second clip. I don't know if you heard when 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 we connected for the call, one of our listeners was talking about J. Michael Evans. Now, he is the president of a massive tech company called Alibaba. It's one of the biggest in the world. It's Chinese. Now, he's in Davos for the World Economic Forum this week. And he said something, Paul, that you will not be surprised by, but it's very, very sinister. He talked about measuring people's carbon footprint. Have a listen to this Paul and we'll get your thoughts when, when, when the clip is over. Have a listen. We're
4: developing through technology an ability for consumers to measure their own carbon footprint. What does that mean? That's where are they traveling? How are they traveling? What are they eating? What are they consuming on the platform? So individual carbon footprint tracker. Mm. Stay tuned. We don't have it operational yet, but this is something that we're working on.
0: Now, somebody who sounds and looks just like you, Mr. Paul Craig-Roberts, this is something you predicted on many a Richie Allen show. They're going to bring out technology that will be able to track down to the nth degree how much carbon you are creating just by the nature of your existence. I guess you're not surprised to hear that.
2: (laughs) No, I'm not. (laughs)
0: It's sinister, though, isn't it? Isn't that scary listening to that?
2: Yeah, and what is the point of it?
0: The point is that in the future, they'll be able to tell, in the very near future, every single human being, how much CO2 they are creating by their daily activities, whether that's eating, travelling, walking, cooking, whatever. My theory is, the next step, Paul, is that each of us will be given an allowance An allowance. This is how much carbon you are allowed to create via your activity. So much so that, can you imagine, Paul, in a couple of years, uh, Paul decides to get into his car. Now, they've taken all the old cars away. and You've got these new smart cars, electric cars. In gets Paul Craig Roberts and he says, right, I think I'll take a drive to Boston. Maybe not Boston. I think I'll take a drive to D.C. to catch up with an old friend from the administration. And you get into the carpool, and you insert your key card, and your car tells you you are not permitted to make the journey, because you've created enough CO two for this current month, as it is. That's where it's going, really.
2: It could, yes, or they could simply tax it, or tax it,
0: <laughs> or charge <laughs> you. Yes, yes, or simply tax it, which is the very same thing, because they'll yeah. make the journey, they'll make the journey, or. You know the, the 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 night out. You might want to go to a restaurant. No, you've used your carbon allowance. If you want to go to the restaurant, you're going to have to, you know, pay more. And Paul, the fact that they can speak so openly about this tyranny—that's something else I've I've noticed. You've been talking about in the last couple of years. They're not wearing masks anymore. They're not trying to hide this stuff, are they?
2: No, no, they're very open about it. it and you know, Richie, it. As we've talked it shows that uh, the the world the vast majority or the elite in the world and certainly the the sort of uh, uh, new tech scientists they don't believe in freedom or liberty or you know, or the autonomy of a person or or to ha- have the right to have your own mind or to speak what you think they don't believe in that at all I mean everything is to be controlled I mean even look We've got the Biden administration trying to set up in the Department of Homeland Security, which has always struck me as a Gestapo name, an office that can decide what is disinformation and what isn't and shut down any voice they decide is disinformation. Now, this is uh, run into trouble in the Senate and uh, mainly, not because it's seen as a threat to freedom, but because of some of the most outrageous things the woman who was being appointed to head the office had said on social media. So we see the United States government, allegedly a free country establishing an official federal agency with power to decide what can be said and what can't be. So there's no belief in the elites anywhere in the Western world in freedom or liberty. I mean, we saw this with the COVID protocols. The forced lockdowns, the forced masks, the forced vaccinations. You see, in the United States today, we have a shortage of pilots. The airlines don't have enough pilots to fly their airliners. Why? Because they fired the ones that wouldn't take the vaccination. And many who took the vaccination now are having cardiac arrest. And once that happens, you're not qualified to fly anymore. We are also beginning to have in this country all kinds of inexplicable automobile accidents where people die at the wheel and crash and kill people. So there's absolutely nothing but coercion. Everything is coercion in the West, everything. So the notion that there's freedom in the West and we're up against totalitarianism in Russia and China and Iran, this is absolute, total nonsense. It's very difficult to find any freedom in the West, especially if they're trying to establish federal offices that can decide what is truth and what isn't.
0: George Orwell called it the Ministry of Truth, didn't he, in his book 1984. And you know, it's happening here as well. You will know this. The online harms bill is progressing through the UK Parliament. They want to make it illegal. No, this is the spooky thing. They are going after people for saying things, not illegal things, but harmful. Not illegal, but harmful. So, you might come on my programme next year and you might legitimately say, Richie, these COVID jabs have done a lot of damage to people. They've killed a lot of people. They've caused a lot of injuries. Now, that is true. But the government, if this bill goes through, they could fine or imprison me, this is not a joke, by the way, um, for putting out potentially harmful information because your comments to me about the dangers of the jabs might lead somebody to decline a job which is not good for them, therefore, I can be um hauled before a judge to explain it that 's not a joke that is contained within the online harms bill it hasn't gone through yet, but that's something they want. Can you imagine that you know you 've got course, all the of evidence
2: course. Crazy. of course i can yeah. see it's not harmful, but they declare it to be harmful yeah it's actually life saving
0: potentially yeah
2: but but they now claim that you You see, here they claim the doctors who saved people's lives from COVID with ivermectin and HCQ, they try to throw them out of the medical profession. They try to pull their licenses. They claim they're harmful because they're saving people. So it's widespread. Look, I just read today in the United States, the National Science Teachers Association, Has banned the use of gender words. Yeah. Yeah. You can't say mother, father, brother, sister, his, hers. Well, now, where does a teachers association think it gets the authority to ban words? Where does it get it? No one's given the National Teachers Association any such authority. No. How can it announce? That we've banned these words. I mean, there's zero authority over the use of language.
0: Pregnant people and all of that crap. Pregnant people. I mean, pregnant, it's a woman. It's not just
2: that it's funny, Richie, but everybody now thinks they've got the authority to punish somebody, to ban something. The, The National Teachers Association has no ability to make laws or regulations. And it announces it's banned something on what basis? Has it... So it means I can announce I've banned something. Okay, I just banned all the liberal idiots. They're all banned. <laughs> <laughs> it, Wouldn't it's, that be got, nice? It makes no sense. Or I, I'm going to ban yeah. when well, you can't. You you can't talk about the universe because there's only the planet Earth. There's nothing else. I, I, I've just banned astronomers. You, you, This is the way people think.
0: You couldn't have imagined this when you were in government, so you couldn't. I mean, can you you imagine if somebody had said this to you back in 1982, for example, you know?
2: It it was impossible. Nobody could have said this without, you know, people would have put them in the loony bin.
0: Yeah. It's happening. You You know the National Health Service here is doing the same thing. It's telling people to be sensitive and not to use... Um, gender specific terms that's why I mentioned pregnant people they're asking people not to say pregnant women in case it offends a trans person But, but men can't have babies this is madness and again we talked about this before, the thing that people should be aware of and I wish they were aware of is that this is a lockstep issue it happens in western countries at the same time doesn't it?
2: Yeah and and notice too the yeah. only people who can be offended are the trans people yeah or or the homosexuals or the racial minorities or what it's no one no one else has any defense about, uh, against being offended you know if, if a pregnant woman is offended by by being described in indes- indeterminable terms uh, she has no right to complain no. only the trans person so these are very special rights given to special little groups, and they're at the expense of everyone else's rights.
0: Yeah, that's right.
2: So why is this? Why? And it changes. Look, you it know, wasn't that long ago that feminists were kind of ruling the coup. Well, now they're, they're on the defensive. The transgendered people have prevailed over the feminists. Because the feminists still insist that such a thing as a woman. Yes. I mean, look what happened to the famous uh, author. You know, the, the whatever, the the wizard, the wizard. Yeah,
0: J.K. J. Rowling or Rowling. That's right, Harry yeah, Potter. Raleigh,
2: Raleigh. Yeah. See, uh, she, she's been obliterated, uh, cancelled. Um, by a tiny, tiny minority of people, you know, they wouldn't measure a small fraction of one percent. Yeah, and yet all they have all the rights.
0: It's you're so, not saying just just in case I don't have to make any apologies for Paul Craig Roberts. I also don't have to explain what Paul Craig Roberts has said. But if you've never heard. Paul before if this is the first time you've heard him let me say that he is no advocate of discrimination he isn't calling for discrimination against minorities or um or 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 trans people or gay people he isn't where there is genuine discrimination Paul Roberts has always opposed it if somebody is denied access to services, or is denied a job because of their colour, Paul Craig Roberts will be the first person to oppose that. This is not what this is about. This is people saying that their feelings should be protected. No, your feelings should not be protected They shouldn't be a protected characteristic I'm a big, tall, bold Irish guy I've got no hair I'm not the best looking guy in the world And sometimes when I'm out and about Not often, people make comments about my appearance About my hair My feelings aren't protected I don't want those people to be arrested Or to be cancelled because they called me boldy That's what it is, Paul They want their feelings to be protected We can't have that
2: well, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's far worse. Richard. Oh,
0: it's worse. I know it's worse than well, that, but well, at the well, base level, that's what it well, is.
2: They, they don't care about the feelings of others. No, no, of course not. Yeah, it, it's, it's only their feelings that can be offended. Yes. Not anybody else's.
0: We can tell that a guy with a beard in a dress is a man with a beard in a dress. But that guy wants us to testify to him being a woman. Well, well, no, we, we can't do that because it's patently obvious that you're not a woman. Now, if you want to live uh, as a woman and 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 dress as a woman, do it by all means. I have no right to tell you how to live your life. But you can't tell society that they have to accept you as female under penalty of being cancelled. And that's what's going on, and that's deadly dangerous. It's deadly well, did, dangerous.
2: D- didn't you see where the uh, the woman writer who said, "Look, if uh, if uh, a man can declare himself a woman, and a woman can declare herself a man, then uh, a black can, can declare themselves white, and a white can declare yes. themselves black." Yes. It's the same logic, isn't it? It's the same
0: logic because the rest and,
2: and, yeah. and she was excoriated. Right.
0: <laughs> Thankfully she's too big to be to be disappeared and and she's still on Twitter and uh you know she's such a famous author. Paul Craig Roberts is our guest. We've only got about 7 or 8 minutes left. It's flown by this segment. We we've got to talk about the M word. Monkeypox. Now, before before you come in, Paul, I've heard two narratives from people that we would describe as, as good people, good journalists. One narrative is that monkeypox has come into our lives out of the blue uh, to explain vaccine injuries. A good friend of mine who's a good writer, he thinks they're looking for vaccine injury explanations. So in in comes monkeypox. Another friend of mine thinks that the monkeypox saga happened right at the same time that countries decided to give the World Health Organization uh, the rights to call the shots in future pandemics, the pandemic treaty. Now, both of them might be right. What's going on with this monkeypox nonsense, which has been around for years and years? What do you think?
2: Well, uh, the suspicious thing about it is it's always been confined to one relatively small part of Africa. And all of a sudden it appeared simultaneously all over the West. Yeah. So how does that happen? You know, uh, in terms of, of epidemiology and the, the way things spread, that's inconsistent. It, that's not what happens. So just all of a sudden it's everywhere in the West where it's never been. So it looks like a release. Now, we also know that last year they held a big simulation of a monkeypox pandemic. They did the same thing with COVID. You remember the year before COVID hit, they had simulated um, a COVID pandemic. So now they, last year, simulated a monkeypox pandemic. Now we've got monkeypox. So all that's suspicious. I don't know what to make of it. Uh, what uh, struck me was the uh, politically incorrect statement of the World Health Organization that it was homosexuals and bisexuals who were bringing monkeypox into the general population.
0: Yeah, I saw that. That was really interesting.
2: Yeah, now, this is a really a politically incorrect statement, and it's made by who? yeah the world health organization so they say this comes from some big homosexual sex orgies and and it's spreading because some of them are bisexual so it's getting into the general population well how do i know
0: yeah it sounds nonsense was, to me I, that
2: i was shocked that who would make such a uh, I mean, they—you know—they—they they must be under fervent attack for saying such a thing. It, it must—they must have some basis for it in order to have said something like that. Because who hasn't got any official position against no. homosexuals or no. bisexuals? Do
0: you know what they said, Paul? They—they they said that monkeypox is transmitted through very close contact. Um, I think somebody at the World Health Organization said that it's very difficult to get monkeypox because it isn't very easily transmitted. You've got to be basically on top of somebody before you you transmit it. So somebody was making the comment, and and you're quite right, politically incorrect to say the least, that um, there's been an old urban legend. Some people say it's true. Some people don't believe it. I have I've worked for gay people in the media. I know gay people. They say it's nonsense. But but there are those who believe that gay men have more sex than straight men and that if that is the case, if something is transmitted through very close contact, you might initially see it in uh, among gay people initially. But I just don't buy it. Like, I mean, I don't believe anything the World Health Organization says to begin with. And I don't believe Monkeypox is serious. You said it, it might be a release. That makes more sense to me than anything, because you correctly said it was confined, confined, you know, historically to a very small part of, of Africa. And now bingo, it's in the community. And they did a, like an event 201, they did a, a, a kind of a, a dry run uh, for this thing as well. So it's it's really suspicious, Paul. I mean, they're it's not,
2: just, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I said. It's suspicious. Now I don't think there's any reason for either of us to feel some obligation uh, to protect homosexuals and bisexuals from uh, from whose uh, uh, statement. Uh, that's whose statement. We're, I'm simply reporting. Oh it. no! Of
0: course, absolutely. You say what you want. There's no censorship here.
2: And, and so I don't think who would say it, as it has such political uh, derogatory implications for who. I don't think they would say it unless they had some basis for it. Yeah. And the reports I saw were actually citing uh, known orgies uh, from which this, they said, came. Now, how do we know? I don't know. But no, I, I don't, don't know
0: think, either. Yeah.
2: I don't think they would say it just to try to uh, be homophobic. I don't think that who would say it to be homophobic And so I think whether we believe them or not, uh, who knows? And I don't think we'll ever find out. There are things you just can't find out anymore because some things you simply can't say even though they're true.
0: Well, do you know what I say to that? And I'm not protecting or defending anybody. I've got to do my job as a journalist, as a presenter, and be fair to everyone. And and I do know gay men who've come on this program and refuted this notion that gay men are more kind of hedonistic than anyone else. I'll tell you what I have noticed in in recent years. And I'm going to be, I'm probably going to embarrass myself. I don't want to, I'm probably going to get a few laughs. I don't want to get a few laughs. But um, sexual deviancy. Now, what is sexual deviancy? I've noticed something going on a lot um, since I moved back to the UK from Spain in 2013, and that is swinging, that is couples, um, openly, you know, announcing themselves as swingers, and often, often hosting other. This is heterosexual people now, hosting other couples where they have parties and they have sex or orgies. So I, I, I I've got to be fair and say that because. I have gay listeners, you will have gay readers, and they will say, look, yeah, all right, the World Health Organization said this, and maybe, you know, on some level it might be true. But um, deviancy and orgies and promiscuity, that's everywhere. It's in straight people as much as gay people. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying the World Health Organization is wrong, because I don't know. Um, But yeah, who who the hell knows? you,
2: you, You think this is some kind of attack on them. It's not. Oh, no, I'm not saying that at all. No, you're yeah, misunderstanding. I'm right. not saying that you at all. Say, well, look, uh, the heterosexuals for oh, no. sexually deviant, too. God, of course they are. Every, I mean, adultery yeah. is a, it used to be a crime. Yeah. It used to be grounds for divorce. It's not anymore in the United States.
0: That's right. Same here.
2: Uh, I mean, you know, we, we ha- we, we, you know, bestiality. And now, we, now they're about to le- legalize uh, sex with kids. You know, we, we we have these organizations pushing
0: to uh, lower the age of consent. This is going yeah, on, isn't it? Yeah, yeah.
2: right. I mean, it, 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 of course, there's all kinds of sexual depravity. I mean, people have always known what it is. They've always, says you know, it's it's it goes back into far history. It's in the Bible. It's biblical. It's people know what it is, and, but. That's not what we're telling. Let's change the subject. Let's uh, do because
0: because we've got let's let's say we five more plan. minutes. I want to ask you about Ukraine, but before I do that, um, folks are listening to Paul Craig Roberts. Please check out Paul's website, paulcraigroberts.org. and if you are a reader of Paul, please support him. This is the independent media. We don't have Coca Cola, McDonald's advertisers queuing up to spend money with us. Paul has a lot of readers. Uh, on his on, on his website, it costs money to maintain it it's great work it's great material he 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 features guest writers, and you're getting analysis that you don't get anywhere else, so support the independent media yeah, let's go till ten minutes past the hour then Paul, because I did want to ask you about the situation in Ukraine, which a lot of people feel is kind of stagnated, and it's in a bit of a quagmire. At the moment, what what? How do you see um, that situation at the moment? Where Where is it? Is 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 it suiting Vladimir Putin, the Russian president, right now? Um, are the forces behind the Ukrainian, the illegitimate Ukrainian government? Let's be honest about it. Are they happy with the way things are going? How do you read it?
2: Uh, well, of course, it's not uh, going against Russia in any way. The, you, Ukrainian forces in Donbass are being systematically destroyed. Um, there's no doubt that Putin will achieve his goal there. Uh, on the wider issue, uh, the the uh, Western the increasing Western support uh, for the Ukrainians with weapons and billions of dollars of diplomatic support and sanctions, all of this is now involving the West in the war against. Russia so they are combatants and the Russians have already said that if you combat it you are a legitimate target and so people are kind of waiting to see who gets hit next now what has happened is an amazing thing the New York Times which has been all out for defeating Russia in Ukraine has now repudiated this goal and said, look, the Russians are far too strong. There's no question of of, uh, defeating them. Uh, The question is, how is all this antagonistic uh, talk and support for Ukraine going to contribute to peace talks? We've got to have peace talks because this is spiraling out of control.
0: What did you think of Kissinger's intervention?
2: Well, the same. It was the same. He and the New York Times have the same position here. They realize that the idiots in the West, that is the government of every Western country, are insane. And they are pushing this into a wider war that will explode eventually in nuclear. And so the New York Times has been ordered by our rulers, the powers that rule us, to take on the neoconservatives and say this goal of American hegemony, a unipolar world, is too dangerous and has to be abandoned. This is now the position that the, the powers that be here have taken, and, and the New York Times came out against Biden, against the uh, Secretary of Defense, and against all of this sort of provocative statements against Putin that he can't be allowed to stay in office and blah, 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 and they have come out against any notion of Ukrainian victory and have said this matter has to be resolved In peace negotiations. Russia is too strong and and we are getting too involved and it's getting out of control. And by that they mean the West have become uh, adversaries in the war against Russia and therefore becoming targets. So this is an amazing development. And I thought Kissinger's statement was also correct. He said, there's nothing that Ukraine can do except give up the Russian territories as they were once part of Russia and become a neutral state. It can be like a bridge between East and West, but there's no prospect of some kind. In other words, Kissinger has endorsed Putin's statement that Ukraine is going to be demilitarized and denazified what, what's your... that's going to happen. If, if that doesn't happen, you're going to start seeing European capitals blowing up.
0: You really believe that, Paul? If it doesn't happen, if they don't reach, um, you know, it's a certainty. It's a guarantee. You reckon
2: it's a guaranteed thing. It's guaranteed. You cannot pretend not to be in a war when you are.
0: So, do you and believe
2: in Poland, and Britain, and the United States are in this war, and Canada, they're in this war? And the Russians know it.
0: Thirty seconds. Paul. They're
2: patient. They're patient. They give us plenty of time to learn. We seldom do. But now, now we see Kissinger. Now, Kissinger is, you know, in, for the left. For the left, Kissinger is the worst hawk. You know, he blew up Vietnam and Cambodia and Laos and 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 uh, Chile, right? So he is evil and Harry's saying nope no That's war right. we've got to have peace that would be my next question times been egging on this war demanding victory demanding Russia be smashed and embarrassed and reduced to evidence and all of a sudden has a totally different position the exact opposite so yeah they see it it's not just me who sees it they see it Putin isn't going to Say okay, I surrender. You come boss us like you do England and and Germany and Poland and they're, and everywhere everybody else. He's not going to do that,
0: Paul. We've got thirty seconds left. Is it your prediction then that eventually the two sides will come together and we will have an agreement like the one you described, where Ukraine cedes territory? Yeah. And yeah. so you believe it will happen.
2: My prediction is that the New York Times has opened up for the first time the ability to challenge the neoconservatives who have dominated American foreign policy. The New York Times has opened this up. It is now said it's okay to criticize the neoconservative, the idea of American hedge the American unipolar world. So that will change the debate. People now have the authority, the permission of the ruling class to question the neoconservatives who have caused this Ukrainian problem.
0: It's going to be fascinating, Paul. We'll speak again real soon with your permission. Thanks for your time today. Um, I always appreciate it, Paul. Enjoy the rest of your day.
2: I always enjoy being with you. Thank you.
0: You're very welcome, Paul. org. That's the website. Bookmark it. Check out. We've been speaking about issues today. All of these issues are covered by articles written by Paul and his guest writers, PaulCraigRoberts.org. Thanks again to him. You are with the Richie Allen radio show live from Salford with me, your BBG.
1: Ask not what the BBG can do for you, but what you can do for the BBG. Support the Richie Allen Show now at richieallen.co.uk.
0: Now, Tony Garthing will be with me momentarily. Lots and lots of comments. Sorry for not getting to them. Um, Time is at a premium today. Tony is next, live from Bristol. the Starlight Vocal Band. Afternoon Delight on the Richie Allen Show, quarter past six. It is Wednesday, the 25th of May, 2022. Fascinating conversation with Paul Craig Roberts. My next guest, great friend of mine and yours. He is the man, or one of the men, but the main man behind, not the BCFM Politics Show, every Friday out of Bristol at five. He's a former BBC journalist. He is an author of excellent historical books. Let's welcome back the great Tony Gosling. Welcome back, T. How are you?
5: Thank you, Richie, for your, uh, you know, great introduction. Well, I mean, you're bigging me up a bit there, I
0: think. I am. You better be up to the task. Now, Paul Craig Roberts, just before um, you came on, he said that he takes optimism from New York Times editorials and, and comments by one of the most evil men in history, Henry Kissinger. Paul Craig Roberts knows that Henry Kissinger is evil, but both the the New York Times editor and Henry Kissinger are pushing for a a settlement in Ukraine that would involve Ukraine ceding uh, territory to Russia and declaring itself to be neutral. What did you make of Henry Kissinger sticking his oar into the Ukraine issue and saying that Russia has to be accommodated in that fashion? What do you think, T?
5: Well, look, it's the first I've heard of this, but uh, we know, don't we, that the Anglo-Zionist empire, right the way back to the year dot, Loves these territorial disputes, not least of which, of course, has been Northern Ireland over the uh, centuries. And uh, the the idea that they're going to exploit this now. I mean, of course, one thing I say, because important context here, this is Bilderberg time of year, right? So yeah. normally uh, back before the pandemic, we would expect to be chasing them down, locating them, uh, telling the world where they were, uh, bringing in scores or hundreds of people to protest these Bilderberg conferences. Now they're supposed to have disappeared. Uh, and Henry Kissinger is one. Yeah, he's the key person, I think, at these meetings. Uh, we were always interested to know, and we developed this knowledge over years, as to who is sitting next to Henry at the Saturday night dinner at the Bilderberg conference. And, you know, this might sound like trivia, the sort of thing you might get in a celebrity, Magazine or something, but uh, it, it was so important that we knew. For example, back in 2016, when uh, Ursula von der Leyen was reported to be sitting next to Henry Kissinger at Bilderberg Saturday evening for their big gala dinner, that uh, you know she was destined for great things, and of course she was. She was now she's now president of Europe, uh, and, and so it's it's. Kissinger is very good, as was uh, Peter Carrington, Lord Carrington, who was also a chairman of Bilderberg. These people are very good at putting the almost the sense appearing to be the sensible people, even though, of course, they are actually behind creating. This is order ab chaos writ large, you know, order from chaos. So they create the chaos, but then they have this privileged access to the mass media where they say, oh, well, we think this is going a bit far. Carrington's done this many times when he was alive. And Kissinger is still doing it to this day, Richie.
0: Yeah, Kissinger's age fascinates me, his longevity. You know, Paul mentioned just before you came on, you know, Laos, Vietnam and so on, so on, so on. Yeah, and here yeah. he is in 2022 speaking <sighs> from a position of authority and the media is, uh, you know, repeating it chapter and verse. It is fascinating. You couldn't trust him.
5: Yeah, they don't really cr- critique him no, at all. And no. Of course, I would love to do that, give him half a chance. and I can do it now, I suppose, uh, in that, uh, yeah, he's, he's the sort of guy who is is absolutely hell-bent really on painting himself as the good guy even though he's being well, I mean for example back in, in the 1960s uh he was the head of the sort of doctrine of what to do in uh, nuclear and how to avoid uh nuclear war so this is a sort of manual for trying to steer us through the cuban missile crisis that kind of thing so he was the go-to guy who's supposed to know everyone know everything of course By the 1970s, he'd also become the individual who had the closest links to uh, the Chinese government, and he was seen as trusted by the Chinese. So he's always been a kind of uh, link man. Uh, But, uh, yeah, I mean, I I think the reason Bilderberg isn't, it doesn't seem like there's any kind of inkling of it, doesn't mean to say, of course, these meetings aren't taking place, but it could be simply that the Bilderberg has completed its task, which is effectively to politically take over every every country in the NATO region and, and a little bit beyond that too. So I think that's maybe why, uh, you know, while well, we're not hearing anything about this, issue. So I've, I've been chatting to the states, people that usually follow the Bilderbergers over there. Not not a sausage, Richie. Uh, but of course, that doesn't mean to say these people have disappeared by any means. They are now in charge. I think most clearly is through the, uh, the pandemic, uh, Wiki Spooks in their 2021 page uh, detailed, and I think we talked about this at the time something like 130, 140 now individual Bilderbergers for over the last 10, 12 years who are in key positions in the pandemic. That is to say, with the pandemic response, uh, with the uh, mRNA vaccines, uh, with the, the World Health Organization, with the media selling this whole thing to the world population. And of course, if you just take a step back up for a minute from the pandemic, it is unprecedented in the history of the planet that something so massive a massive psychological operation plus uh, medical misinformation harming of people deliberate harming of people by medical professionals uh, has ever taken place it's absolutely unprecedented though we're in unprecedented
0: times yeah we'll be living with the effects of it for a long time did did you perchance watch the game of thrones tv series No, 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 no. It won't make any bloody sense then, but for listeners who might have done, Kissinger reminds me of a character called Peter Baelish, Lord Baelish. He's a sinister character who seems to be the confidant of the good people, the good family in the series, but he's also working for other families. (laughs) He's a bit of a bastard and it kind of reminds me of Kissinger. It doesn't matter. I did speak to Paul about the shooting in the united states of america in in texas 22 people or 21 people dead 19 children two teachers i thought paul might go down the road i shouldn't be mentioning paul to you all the time but just 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 because he was on and, and he's an interest no, in uh, i guess yeah. yeah he he said um you know They had guns growing up. Paul now is in his early 80s, mid-80s. And he said, "We know, we had guns growing up, lots of us. People didn't do things to each other with guns. And then he talked, interestingly, for a bit about the CIA and about mind control and Manchurian candidates. Now, he he doesn't speak in absolutes, which is why I like him. It's why I like you. You don't speak in absolutes. You talk in theories and possibilities. And he said, "Um, some of this stuff richie you know it, it it could very well be you know people not acting of their own volition or 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 words to to, to that effect it's it's the, Even the photographs of this young man who is supposed to have walked into a school to do this most heinous, unimaginable of things, it's all very weird. Uh, uh, I don't have much truck with the people who say it never happened. They're entitled to say that if they want. I, I don't mind. I don't censor anyone. But, you mm. know, as far as I'm concerned, people were killed. You know, if you have 300 million people in a country, if guns are easily accessible, every now and then some dickhead's going to do something like that. H- how do you see it, Tony? Well, look,
5: uh, first of all, on this idea of, uh, you know, either whether it's, you know, did it really happen or not? uh, This is, I mean... It's not a a total impossibility for anything. I would say, obviously, uh, this these events yesterday that doesn't apply. But we're moving towards a a system of media control, whereby, in an Orwellian fashion, a whole entire event could be constructed like this and then controlled, almost like basically scripted. This is a sort of scripted dramatized event which could then, uh, you know, be rolled out to the world's public through a tiny number of media outlets or. controlled by the banksters and the public could be convinced and there wouldn't be any real pushback or criticism from journalists at all because journalists don't criticize and push back anymore. Uh, And so that's where we're heading is what I'm saying about this idea of did it it, it happen? The main reason for it, I think is because they want gun control in the United States. Quite obviously Texas is the place to push for that. Yes, Manchurian candidates Paul's absolutely right about that. The, the, The key thing to understand about this is this policy now, Uh, of shoot to kill by the police. Now, that's not the police's job to shoot to kill, no. they're not in a war the idea is to bring the guy down possibly even just with a with a tranquilizer dart, why not, I mean maybe he's still got a gun in his hand and ammunition but uh, is he going to do any more damage I can understand in certain circumstances you may have to kill the guy, but for example they can shoot him in the arm they can incapacitate, make it make it impossible for him to carry on using his weapon they should not be shooting to kill because what this does is it makes a trial impossible it, it leaves everything to whatever the US equivalent of an inquest, his inquest is, uh, which are very easy to fix because you you can't actually question or quiz the individual concerned about the run-up to it. You know, maybe his, you know, peculiarities. Has he been uh, obsessed with maybe drugs, maybe porn? Uh, Has he been potentially lured into uh, some kind of situation where he may have been hypnotised, as you were suggesting with the Manchurian candidate? We don't hear much about hypnosis anymore, but it's absolutely quite... Possible to program somebody to kill? You know that's that's feasible. It's it, and it's doable, and it's something that the intelligence agencies have been working on ever since World War Two, particularly the Americans, fanatically. So I think we know that that could be a possibility. I mean, if, you know, the other possibility with this is that he is just a, a nutter of some sort that's got a grievance and he's decided to take it out on people. But the other backdrop to all of this, of course, is the uh, the climate within which the US skung, uh, non-control laws... uh, initially started, uh, you know, was one where people were basically fairly responsible. I know the Wild West was pretty crazy, uh, but there was at least, you know, should we say more of a moral standpoint out there? Today, I think we're looking at a a world, particularly the the US, where, you know, there's almost like a, a, you know, you get on the pat on the back, the more clever, dastardly and, you know, mean you can be. So there's definitely that strain in the US, which doesn't really seem to be so strong over here in the British Isles and in Europe. But, you know, there is a... No, no, let's face it. There is a satanic force. There's a church of Satan based in, in California, for example. And this is the sort of thing which, uh, you know, they, they may, may have been involved with. We just simply don't know. But we will not know now the guy's now dead. The guy's dead uh, yeah. And that's the key thing. The police, if they are interested in enforcing the law, have got to help people to survive these things,
0: disarm them, uh, incapacitate them, but don't kill them. Let's have a proper trial. Good stuff, Tony. You made my point um, better than I made it. I don't dispute the fact that it's it's very possible that entire events can be staged. I just want to clarify that in case listeners think that, you know, I'm trying to sound like a big no-all here. I'm not. In fact, one of the things that I think might have been absolutely staged like, was the Boston... Marathon bombing. I think that whole event stunk to high heaven. In fact, I spoke to a guy on the show who I've not been able to contact for years, who um, was a crisis actor or claimed to be a crisis actor working on the day of the Boston Marathon. So, the point I was trying to make very clumsily is, I think some people, because they know it's happened once or twice, Every single time we have an event, they jump straight in with two feet and imagine that the whole yeah, thing well, was... Yeah, well, you reason, this you is, is a man trap, basically, yeah, that, yeah.
5: That, that, that people are, are, don't understand the implications of what they're doing can fall into. Yeah. The reason it's a man trap is oh and a woman trap let's just uh, you know for the wokest <laughs> out there oh, there's not that many uh, not he, this it is is because it just imagine that you're uh the mother or the brother or the sister or the aunt of someone that's killed in one of these things how do you think you're going to take some uh clever so-and-so uh spreading the the disinformation uh that this was just acting and blah 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 you've got to be so careful that yeah. you do not turn the victims into another you know actually pile more horror and hatred on victims so you've got to be very very careful about that. i mean i was when, when we were covering the 77 london bombings it's like you know you're to really tiptoe around the issues to make sure that you're not uh, insulting or you know upsetting people who've already maybe lost a loved one
0: I played this clip for Paul Craig Roberts earlier and playing it for Tony and I promise I won't mention Paul again because we've got Tony Gosling on the programme. He's also a brilliant writer and broadcaster. He's the equal of any man or woman and he's on the show, not the (laughs) BCFM politics show, is live every Friday at five o'clock. It's terrific uh, and I do listen to it and you can quiz me. I do listen. You can quiz me on recent guests and I won't embarrass myself. Now, this um, Davos is happening at the moment, the World Economic Forum... Mm -hmm listen to this from j michael evans the president of alibaba the big chinese tech company listen to j michael evans tony feast
4: your ears we're developing through technology an ability for consumers to measure their own carbon footprint what does that mean that's where are they traveling how are they traveling what are they eating what are they consuming on the platform so individual carbon footprint tracker Mm. Stay tuned. We don't have it operational yet, but this is something that we're working on.
0: Individual carbon footprint tracker. Tony, you will have a CO2 allowance. Wow. Well, I'm
5: afraid uh, I'm made of carbon, so the idea of me <laughs> yeah. being zero carbon is not going to happen. Look, this is a this is a new currency that Prince Charles wants to bring in, and uh, his friends. Uh, I was just the other day, uh, for example, I mean, this is you know, this is the idea of everything being sort of electronic. When you're bit, when you, obviously, you can't track it if it's cash, unless that cash has got a little microchip in it, and you know, as you use the cash, it's somehow tracked. And that's why they want to move us over to electronic everything, card-powered everything, uh, and you can't use cash for anything. Uh, I was in a car park the other day, and uh, you, you're in a queue of cars coming into the car park, and you come up to a little thing that says, no, you can't take your ticket here. We have read your number plate. Oh, and by the way, you can only pay, pay by card. Well, hang on a minute. Does that mean I can't? Get out of the car park if i have only got cash. That's right. So that's the sort of thing that they're doing now. It's all coercion, coercion, getting rid of cash. Let's get rid of cash. And of course, the uh, the 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 uh, other side of that is these. I mean, it's the other thing is of course it's Chinese social credit. This is what it is. We're keeping an eye on everything you spend and do. And with this programmable, these programmable digital currencies, national digital currencies, uh, what we'll be we seeing. Well, there are no, you know, the nation state has been broken down massively anyway. So it's an illusion, the idea that a pound is d- d- totally different to another currency or a, you know, a euro or whatever. Uh, and so the, the, w- you know, we're being driven into this world where everything we, we spend and do is tracked, which is dodgy for a start. We can't buy anything anonymously. And also we're being told the things we can and can't buy. So that's the idea, is once you get up to your carbon limit, you have traveled too much this year in a car, yes. not enough on a train. Oh, sorry, by the way, there's a train strike, so you can't go in the train. Now, you know, this is what it is. It's massively li- – look, look, cut cut a long story short, this is slavery. What they're doing is they're imposing a slave system on the Western world. Uh, the Chinese have been having to put up with this social credit thing where you can't get on a train if you've, uh, you, you've been ticked Some off for jaywalking, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, so the the freedom is being massively limited. And and that's what I think they're imposing both in the East and the West, Richie. Uh, 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 but I think they're going to have a tough time here imposing this. They've certainly got the, uh, the technology ready for us, though. A,
0: a point I could and should have made to you a moment ago when you were talking about keeping the shooters alive, I didn't make it to you because of time constraints but Craig makes it and he's right to make it, I think. <laughs> he says um, Richie, they shoot at the body uh, at the largest mass to get to stop the shooter and to prevent innocent bystanders being uh, shot you know, the police don't want to hit innocent bystanders. They also want to stop the guy shooting people. Um, trying to shoot an arm or a leg is difficult and also a tranquilizer might take a bit of time, says Craig. Um, he's not being pedantic at all. He's not. That's a good point. I felt if I had put the point to you, I would have been a bit pedantic because like yourself, I would prefer that they keep these people alive so that we could understand how they came to find themselves in a school uh, firing yeah. upon children. But Craig makes a good point and the police would say that. They would say, Tony, we've got to get the bastard down, pal. We don't have time to play around. what
5: What about a taser? You know, look... Uh, These people are supposed to be trained marksmen. A rifle in the hands of a marksman can most definitely hit somebody's arm. I'm sorry, you know, the idea that uh, we're all running around with pistols, you know, firing in the Wild West. No, you know, these people are trained marksmen. They go go to firing ranges where they're looking at uh, shooting somebody over a quarter of a mile distance. So, yes, of course, they could aim for arms and legs rather than hearts and brains. Uh, And uh, if you hit someone in the heart or in the brain, they're going to die. Uh, if you hit somebody in the arm, they're going to drop the gun and then you can go and grab them. And maybe you could, maybe you could, t- there's all sorts yeah, of Yeah, but places. hang on a
0: second. They might drop the gun and the gun might discharge another round and it might shoot a child in the head.
5: Yeah, but it, then it might again. Again, it might not. Yeah? yeah. So, look, I understand these arguments very, very well. But I think the police have got it completely wrong. They do the same in this country, by the way. The armed cops—they're told, look, if the, it looks like the person might potentially shoot anybody else, just kill them. Now, I, I think that's the wrong thing to do. Uh, and these police, uh, presumably wearing body armor, maybe shooting from behind a brick wall, they could, I think, down somebody. They're well trained. They're well organized. They've got a whole you know, whatever it is, anti-terrorist police command centre behind them, then I think they should be making sure they do everything they can to make sure that the the shooter survives. What we've got now is a situation where uh, it, where, where there are no trials there's no investigation basically the police hardly investigate crime anyway nowadays but they're not even doing anything when it comes to these very important incidents that we need to understand and isn't it funny that it makes it so much easier for someone who's get up to something here that it's a put up job for them to get away with it if the guy's dead at the end of the day
0: that's a fact you're absolutely right once the guy is dead that's the end of it it's got a nice little bow on it Tony Gosling is our guest thisweek.org.uk go to bilderberg.org um are you sick to death of party gate and sue gray and all of this malarkey Um, What's really going on? Can I just ask you before you come back in, are you like me sick to death of the great people of this country for not understanding, for not getting the central point? Yes, okay. it must have been very difficult for you not to be able to see your father in a care home. It must have been difficult uh, because you believe the government. However, why can't you make the logical leap? to the idea that the rules were never needed all along. And the reason these dickheads (laughs) were partying is because they knew that COVID wasn't really that serious, Tony.
5: Well, I think there were rules needed, but the rules that they imposed on us were the World Health Organization rules, which, by the way, wants to take over the whole world's rules. And those rules were wrong and they killed in Britain. Tess Laurie told me in an interview she uh, she reckoned around about 60,000 people died in Britain unnecessarily because the rules were wrong. Uh, and so, yes, some rules were needed in order to protect Which the ones? most Which ones? Which ones? Which ones? Well, the, the ones to make sure that the elderly were protected. They should have been given ivermectin, uh, that they could pop at the first sign of anything like a flu. Yeah. Uh, they should have been given chloroquine potentially. We know that now, and we knew that at the start. The reason we knew it at the start was because uh, Pepe Escobar wrote about the French government seizing the whole uh, French supply of chloroquine back in January, before we even knew before that we knew what COVID was. So they knew yeah. they made sure that we didn't have the pills, the simple, cheap pills we needed to survive it. Uh, and so, Partygate, no, it's a bit of a farce, really. It's, uh, you know, what it really is, Richie. It's a way of piling pressure on Boris. So, I would imagine that what they're doing is they're saying, you better play ball and sign on the dotted line with the Ukraine war on whatever we're having to do there, like sending loads of money over to the Nazis, for example, uh, uh, or else you're going to have all sorts of trouble and you might have to resign over Partygate. So, they're piling pressure on the senior members of the cabinet, political pressure uh, for, you know, I think that's what this Partygate thing is about. It's about psychological pressure. Uh, You know, there may be a coup. Who knows? If Boris says, no, I don't want to supply the Nazis with any more money and his pals, uh, although they seem to be quite enthusiastic at the moment, then uh, there'll be more developments in Partygate. And I don't think the actual uh, things that were done by uh, uh, by Downing Street and the cabinet office, etc., seem to be... uh, Uh, very dodgy at all. I mean, they've got to run the country. And also, if anyone's got to go, it's going to be somebody like Dominic Cummings who's already gone uh, because they were in charge of the rules. The Boris is, for goodness sake, you've got a staff right, who are supposed to make sure these rules are enforced. Boris is trying to run the country. He's not not paid to sit and go through all these rules. Uh, You know, one of his staff at Downing Street should be doing that and making sure it's all hunky-dory, and if not, they should go. But, you know, the whole thing, of course, is just filling up the airwaves with nonsense rubbish about stuff that doesn't really matter from two-odd years ago
0: and more. You're right up to a point, I think, but it is important that people understand that they shouldn't be griping about their grandparents in care homes and blaming Johnson for that because they obeyed the rules and he didn't. They should be asking themselves, why was nobody at governmental level, or at least at you know staffing levels at Downing Street, why were they so unconcerned about contracting COVID? Maybe, just maybe, the answer to that is, is that they knew that COVID wasn't really very serious. And that might well, bring knew, about for, a change.
5: For people of their age group, yeah. it wasn't. Yes, I mean, this was the crazy reaction is that, you know, even kids were. And the reason that, you know, they, they were saying, oh, kids are vulnerable, blah, 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 might die, might keel over. Having lo- loads of stories about young people dying and then not saying that they had comorbidities and they were already at death's door, some of them. You know, was simply because they wanted to get the kids jabbed. And this is the, uh, the biggest aberration, I think, in the history of for pharmaceutical. Industry is jabbing up these poor children. You know, there was a story I saw just a few days ago. I think it was in the Manchester newspaper, Richie, where uh, there was a couple, both of whom died. I mean, they're in their 30s. Yes, and they got well long done. Well remembered. Well remembered, yeah. Well remembered. yeah. I mean, what the hell is going on? These people didn't even need to have the jab in the first place. But of course, if the lying mainstream media can convince people that young kids need a jab, well, of course, the 30 year old, they're being a bit irresponsible if they don't have the jab. And there's a massive amount of guilt tripping going on here and you've got to be actually quite a strong individual and a quite a strong character to resist all the guilt tripping and the gate, uh, the... Um Gaslighting, you know. Oh, you terrible people out there who are not following the World Health Organization guidance and can think for yourselves. And of course, that's what a lot of this is about. Is it's really about wiping out people that can't think for themselves. I think there's almost a, you know, kind of nasty, very nasty kind of Darwin social Darwinistic side to this. Like, you know, basically uh, the survival of the fittest. You know, the law of the jungle. Well, if you can't think your way through this. You're going to die. You know, that's something quite hideous about all that.
0: So how will the emergence of monkeypox, he says, trying (laughs) to keep a straight face, how will that impact on those who, sadly, for whatever reason, can't think for themselves? Are they going to be scared about monkeypox? Just Uh before you give me your answer on that, very briefly, I have seen just a little, I'm not going to exaggerate, I've seen a little increase in the old mask wearing I, I run down the very famous Liverpool Street which connects Salford to Regent Road which is basically into Manchester so I run down that road most days I vary my routes and I go around Old Trafford and what have you to cricket and the football but um, yeah I'm starting to see the masks outside the schools Jesus wept it's got to be monkey pox what do you reckon?
5: Look, uh, look this this is just a media um, campaign uh, which is being run for the World Health Organization's uh, conference last week. I mean it seems to me that you know because we've got the who meeting and the who deciding on this trying to get everyone to sign up to this international pandemic treaty, uh, that they've got to have another scare. This is, I think you know by, by what I've seen of it, it's a um, in, not a very nice disease, probably pop you know it sounds a bit like aids that so that it's you know it's mostly through direct contact or sexually transmitted uh, and it's not really anything that anyone really needs to worry about but then that doesn't seem to bother the media they will report anything that they're told to report and they're they're very obedient Uh, and particularly because they want to scare people uh, with the backdrop of this very important international who conference where they're trying to get everybody in the world to sign up to their wonderful pandemic treaty uh, where where they can try and repeat all the knives in the back and the uh, unnecessary deaths
0: of the pandemic that happened last weekend didn't it am i to understand that it was um, the fix was in that that it has happened already it has happened has it that, that countries have just given the, the the world health organization the baton to control future pandemic no, response it no, hasn't happened so. yet no
5: no not as far as i understand the who, no. as i understand it richie and let's remember who the who is it's the health arm of the un yeah. and it's mainly funded by the chinese it is really not there is really no uh, democratic accountability at all for it it's a uh, it's an organization which has been completely um funded by uh, well it's you know it's completely nothing to do with uh, with, with anything kind of democratic so uh, In the background to that, there is this World Economic Forum hostile takeover of the UN. So it's becoming just another wing of the WEF. Uh, So these are the people who, and of course, it all popped up just a few days before last weekend, where the, who were meeting, you know, this whole thing of monkeypox. Uh, You know, I just, I think it's just another story. Like so much in our press today, Uh, I was just ignore it, really. It's just nonsense. Um, We're being, it's it's Project Fear, you know, just like Brexit, really. You're right,
0: Dave. Already begun to announce daily case numbers on Sky and the BBC they've already talked about a vaccine mm-hmm. uh, a smallpox vaccine I think they've they've mentioned that they, they said it also works for uh, for for monkeypox, it's it's uh. Fear Richard Kelly says, on the website that we've had a lot of comments on the website. We always do when you're on, my friend. Um, most mm-hmm. of them complimentary too. Uh, the majority, Richard says, in my opinion, it's just a gap filler. Monkeypox is a gap filler before the big one, bird flu. I think about two. Chats ago, two conversations ago, you and I talked about the fact that bird flu stories were everywhere in the press. They were for a short time. In fact, there were claims that bird flu is going to be a major, major thing this coming Winter. Then the stories kind of went away. Maybe Richard is right. Maybe the bird flu epidemic is going to be the next big pandemic. Maybe yeah, later I don't know if this I year. I talked
5: to you last time about this book by Keith van der Peel, the pandemic of angst. Yes, you did indeed. Yeah, because this is so important for everyone to understand: is the fascists are taking over right in the West. The Bilderbergers uh, and the rest of them have now got control of our political system. We're seeing, for example, in Ireland, you've got a uh, an Act going through your Irish parliament, exactly mirroring the online safety bill, which was used to be called the online harms bill. In other words, yeah. the censorship of the internet bill. These things are going through all the parliaments around the NATO countries, right? So these uh, legislative bodies, uh, so-called independent sovereign parliaments, are just doing the same stuff. And uh, what Keyes explains in his book, uh, Pandemic of Angst, is that the uh, population know that something's wrong. They know that democracy is being stolen from them. They're getting more and more angry. Of course, we know through the uh, cost of living crisis, which, by the way, is mainly about housing and rent here in Britain, I think, uh, is that that we're going to get, to the point where, to breaking point, families are going to get to breaking point. And they are getting to breaking point. Uh, They're also going mad in dead-end jobs, jobs they don't like, that they can't escape from. uh, And this is all going to get people angry. And so that's what Keese explains, is that the uh, elites, the fascists, know this, right? Uh, And, of course, they're now supporting the Nazis, openly supporting them, uh, the Ukrainian Nazis. Uh, And so they are bringing in all sorts of measures, like the pandemic. All sorts of things like the idea of you know, trying to have electronic money, uh, controlling what we, how we spend uh, what we've got uh, and ramping up the price of housing so that we can't pass on our houses to our kids, this sort of thing, through care and through the Labour Party tax, the lifetime gifts tax. They want to take our houses off us. So we have nothing. You know, and the, that's the idea is that they want to, they know this is happening. They know they're taking over. They know we're going to have no power. And so they've got to take those powers away using things like these uh, these various uh, draconian measures. So I think he, he does a pretty good job. I hope I did a reasonable job in explaining. It's a terrific book. And he's been going, he's been following the Bilderbergers and various elites for decades, Richie. Hardly anyone's ever heard of the guy.
0: I had him on the show about three years ago. He was excellent, um, Keith Van Der Peel. I must reach out to him again. I really enjoyed listening to him. That's a great shout, T, and uh, a good recommendation for the book. I must order a copy of it myself. Tony Gosling is our guest. We really only have um, three minutes left today. Thanks again um, for for your time. Uh, The Not the BCFM Politics Show is every Friday at five o'clock out of Bristol. It's terrific. Three hours of fantastic chat, news analysis. You won't get anywhere else, so I can't recommend it um, highly. Uh, enough. It feels like we're in a bit of a holding pattern at the moment, doesn't it? Just finally, before we run out of time. It feels like, you know, things have calmed down a little bit, just a little bit. And it's almost like we've been given chance to draw breath, but there's a kind of an ominous feeling, there's a feeling, a kind of an overbearing that something is coming. And I don't, want, I don't say that to distress or upset or <laughs> depress the listeners, but that's how it feels to me. Does it feel that way but, to you?
5: But, okay, well, how about the Russians are coming? yeah. But are they? Well, I mean, this is an interesting. I mean, I don't you know i i wonder whether i mean i one i was having a f- fascinating conversation with uh, some people the other day about the russian orthodox church now they have something in the orthodox church called the oath crime now, this goes right the way back to the early church which split from the catholics in 1154 it uh, was based in constantinople the greek orthodox the russian orthodox all, all uh, that's that's that what they're all part of but their church keeps this thing called the oath crime now the oath crime is uh, mentioned by Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, where he says, never swear an oath. Simply let your yes be yes, and your no be no. Anything else comes from the devil. And that's a fairly strong way to put it. So if you're swearing an oath, then you're from the devil. And that's the the Orthodox Church takes this quite seriously. The Catholics pretend to, the Protestants don't, because they accept any kind of cult like Freemasonry, actually, it's fine. You can, you know, it's compatible with the Church of England, blah, blah, blah. No problem at all. In fact, they had a big conference in the 1980s all about it and they embraced Freemasonry. So, you know, we see this all over the, the church. So the oath is what you swear when you become a Mason. Uh, that is a blood-curdling oath. Basically, you're, nobody who's a Mason, in my view, should go anywhere near public office, anywhere near the military, anywhere near public service at all, including broadcasting, uh, you know, the police, uh, uh, ambulance services, medical, medical decision makers, because you're loyal to your cult. You're not loyal to the public, and your cult comes number one. And the reason I say that is because when you swear those oaths, that means that you are allowing the cult to kill you. If you step outside their jurisdiction, in other words, you tell the secrets of the cult or you even, in some cases, uh, tell people that you're actually a member of the the Freemasons or whatever cult it happens to be. So I think that's, in a way what this is about. I mean, I, I don't know if you've seen the, the recent Michael Hudson um, interview. He's the economist who straddles both East and West. A brilliant guy. And he's basically saying that there are, there are the uh, the battle in Ukraine is over these two types of capitalism, finance capitalism and industrial capitalism. The, the Russians want money to work for people, to give them jobs, uh, etc., And the West don't. They want uh, the money to be a powerful tool in which you can use to manipulate society and you make money from money. You make money from impoverishing people. That's finance capitalism. Uh, and he believes, Michael quite sensibly says, what we actually need is neither of these. Let's just have socialism, where the ordinary, uh, where, where the state controls the infrastructure and runs it in the public interest, in the public eye, so you can go and scrutinise any meeting, which you can't, of course, once something's been privatised. But he's talking about things like telecoms, railways, water, electricity, gas, all these things which Thatcher privatised, that they should be back in public ownership and run. And that means that anyone that wants to be an entrepreneur and make some money can do it, use all these utilities at cost. So in a way, uh, you know, I've got a different take on it, talking there about the oath crime, saying that, you know, Freemasonry is acceptable, one side of the Ukraine line, and not acceptable the other side, the Russian side of the Ukraine line. Uh, Michael Hudson's putting it in a, in, a, in a context there. But I was fascinated Fascinated to see that the uh, there was this Ukrainian general. I don't know if you've seen that clip I put out a few weeks ago, uh, right at the beginning in in 2014, who was naming. Yatsinyuk, Pinchuk, uh, Kolomoisky, all as members of this key Masonic lodge in Kiev uh, who were basically behind the coup. So they were ordering the riot police where to go, etc. And they were all Freemasons. So Victorian it be as simple yeah. as that, that the, the the battle between East and West in, in Ukraine that's playing out there is really a battle of, of two different systems. One where it's okay to swear an oath uh, against the public into your cult and one where it isn't, Richie.
0: Tony, brilliant to have you back on. I'll check that out. You sent me the link to that via WhatsApp. I'll check it out. I'll, I'll watch that interview. Uh, with that economist. Thanks again, Tony. Thisweek.org.uk, the the not-the-BCFM politics show, Fridays, five o'clock, out of Bristol with Tony Gosling. Thisweek.org.uk. You're brilliant, T. Until next time, thanks so much for today. thanks. Just to to plug the
5: books, I've got two books out. One is about the history of hidden government uh, from the English Civil War up to the assassination of Princess Diana. That's called The Siege of Heaven Reader. It's an anthology. And the other book is called The Traitors of Arnhem. It's about the deals done between the British and And the Nazis towards the end of the Second World War, before the end of the Second World War, which in a way is why we're seeing the battle playing out with Russia now is because we were dealing with the Nazis in a way that people would never dream of, even before the end of the war. I
0: have both of those books very briefly, 10 seconds. Where can people get them? Oh, just
5: uh, via Bilderberg.org. So if you haven't got any money, you can download it for free with a watermark. You can download an e-book, which is reasonably cheap, or you can actually get a proper paperback, which is what I'd recommend.
0: Don't download it for free. Buy the book. Support the independent (laughs) media. Support Tony Gosling. (laughs)
5: Well, some people don't have any money, Richie. No, I don't, but if you do have money,
0: if you do have money, don't be a lazy arse. Don't be a tight arse. (laughs) Uh, Buy the (laughs) paperback of the book. Until next time, T, thanks again, mate. Tony Gosling, live from Bristol on uh, The Richie Allen Show Wednesday's programme. It's uh, fast approaching uh, four, no it isn't, it's uh, six and a half minutes to the top of the hour. Do buy the paperback, if you can, uh, on Bilderberg.org. Don't download it for free. Uh, You know, I always say that about the Richie Allen Radio Show. If you don't have any money, just listen to the show. Jesus, I put the show online, anyone can listen to it for free. But if you can support it, please do. Same with Tony Gosling, same with Paul. Uh, Craig Roberts, I know, I know you can't support everything, I know that but um, yeah not going to do that thing I did last night, talk about advertising, it's irrelevant, we've done it to death, uh, the programme is back on TuneIn.com that's a great thing, thanks to the people at TuneIn.com, I like relationships I like to keep relationships I've known Hayden Hewitt for many many years now, Paul Ripley I like to be involved with the people who were involved with me at the beginning of uh, the Richie Allen show. I like to maintain those relationships. So, TuneIn.com is... Uh, we have a traffic issue sometimes on RichieAllen.co.uk. So, occasionally, you will listen via RichieAllen.co.uk and you will find that it might buffer a bit. TuneIn.com's a great alternative because it is a massive thing with massive amounts of bandwidth and you can... Uh, you can follow the show on there. I put something on the website about it today. Uh, thank you so much for your comments, many of them, lots and lots of them. Uh, thanks to Gareth for your uh, comments there about monkeypox. You mentioned somebody called Doctor Tom Cowan. I sometimes annoy people. Um, not that I care. I don't care if I annoy you. I don't care about that. You get annoyed sometimes because I don't see, because I don't know some of these names. I get some funny emails from people. Uh, castigating me because I don't know of a particular doctor or because I haven't interviewed them. Um, I don't have time to watch BitChute or, or 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 Telegram. I don't have any time. I don't watch anything. I produce this programme. It takes all the time in the world to do it. Uh, so I don't get to see stuff. I would that it were different, but it isn't. I just don't have the time. So people say, oh, I can't believe you haven't had this guy on. What, what are you talking about? Who? Jesus, there's seven billion people on the planet. I don't know who the person is you're recommending. I'm not saying that to you, Gareth. But um, I just don't have the time. Sometimes I do see a recommendation. Sometimes I do uh, see a recommendation. And I do get a chance to have a look, and then I will invite the person on. But it's not always the case. It's not always the case. Yeah. Right, that's it for me. More or less. Uh, for today. Thank you. Back with you tomorrow, Thursday at 5 o'clock UK time. We're back on TuneIn. Let me give a plug. I don't ordinarily do this until Thursday. Let me give a plug to a radio show that I love doing. It's a Sunday Morning Melodies every Sunday at 10 o'clock UK time. It is a simple programme. A chilled Sunday morning music show with old and sometimes not so old tunes and some interesting stories and a lovely conversation between you and me and anybody who's listening. That's 10 o'clock UK time on the usual platform. So that will be TuneIn, Fab Radio and uh, of course, ritchieallen.co.uk Fantastic. Uh, Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Thank you so much to Tony Gosling and to Paul Craig Roberts for spending their time with us. Thank you, Paul and Tony. Hasta mañana. Sláinte amal. Bye now.